0: And welcome to today's podcast, which is a little bit of an exciting podcast for Marie because we have got a very special guest on our show with us today. Um, this particular woman has created something that is so unique and new. And I'm so excited because Cindy actually made this made this arrangement for um, Lauren to join us today. But when we were talking just off air a moment ago, I realized I actually met Lauren about three years ago. So Lauren is the owner of, um, Lauren Brisbane is the owner of a company called Q Camel. And they are a camel farm, a camel dairy farm up here on the Sunshine Coast. So Lauren, welcome to today's show and congratulations on your entrepreneurialism but also your spectacular care for animals I love it. <laughs> thank
2: you Karen it's such a pleasure to be here thank you for having
1: me. Yeah I'm excited that you're here Lauren because I have been reading about you in all the local papers like I think you've been in The Weekend or something or the I don't even know what they're called anymore, but all the magazines and all the newspapers. And I keep reading about you and and reading about your philosophy and what you've been doing. And um, look, I absolutely love it, especially when we're starting to see so many kids and so many people have dairy intolerances. And you've come up with this amazing idea. And and really, it's it's an ancient idea because I'm sure the Bedouins, did the Bedouins milk their camels for milk? (laughs) They did, and they
2: still do. They still they do. do. They still do. It's a very ancient tradition. It's been they've been milking camels for over six thousand years.
1: Yeah. So we always think it's new, but it's only new to us in Australia. It's um it's actually um something that's quite ancient. So let's just start with how did you get into milking camels? And by the way, we were. We had videos on before, and I was doing an example of hand milking a camel. <laughs> if you can all imagine it. <laughs> so, how did, you, how did you get into this, Lauren? Well, I was in agriculture,
2: and about nearly twenty years ago—it's a bit longer than twenty years ago, actually. I was—we were living out west, and we were at the, uh, living in the height of the drought in Emerald, and I watched a lot of people in agriculture go under a lot of people and every other week there was a funeral so and for, for a lot of farmers who were committing suicide and it was about the cattle and their cattle dying and they're losing their properties and I thought then there's got to be a better way to do this so um so you'll be pleased to know I didn't wake up one day and go oh maybe I'll milk a camel there was actually a lot more thought that went into it than that and so I, a few years later, and I sort of looked around for an animal that I thought was a lot better suited to Australia. And, and then a few years later, and that's when we'd moved down to the Sunshine Coast, I was talking to somebody and I was, you know, in agriculture and we had a um, a business with, um, with friends of ours with um, competition quarter horses and they had cattle. And someone mentioned something to me about, camels in Australia and our wild population and I did a little bit of research and I walked into a meeting one day and said I think we need to co-graze with cattle with camels with the cattle with camels and that started the journey so what Peter and I did my husband Peter and I we actually funded a two-year study which I did and wrote Uh, about the development of the camel industry in predominantly in Queensland but also how it was developing and the development of the industry in Australia and that's how we started.
3: So can I ask the question from a from an animal loving point of view which you've got Mm -hmm. three of us on the podcast. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who believe um milking animals is not the right thing that we shouldn't do it that evolutionary even though we've seen that we've milked cows and other animals for many thousands of years there's still a lot of people who believe the milking of an animal apart from for it's young is is wrong can you give us a, an understanding and a feeling as to why you think it's okay and then secondly why camels
2: I absolutely get where people are coming from and that's part of the reason why we decided to do this. Camel milk is a health product but I also understand that when you're milking an animal, um, that animal is a being and they have a right to live the way they should live. So, and this is what attracted us um, to the camel industry. We don't remove our babies from their mothers. Um, In fact, the baby is has the highest priority and like any mother if um if you're worried about your child then you're going to have problems producing milk so the baby is our priority and a priority for her um, and so we have a whole different philosophy in the way that we do it um, we're about leading a way of change um, in animal production we don't believe that you should have to take an animal take a baby away from its mother Um, And so when we milk our camels, we actually become the twin. So our camels actually make more milk for us and we know that that's true, that we don't steal it from the baby because our babies grow beautifully and few people have ever seen camel babies with huge humps and are so healthy. And, in fact, our mothers have the right of choice. So if she doesn't want to be a milking camel, she doesn't have to be. If she chooses not to be in that dairy because they come in from free will, then she doesn't. And we have rehomed camels. So they're not they're not destroyed. We have a no sort of policy. Um, so we have um, actually we've had a And I can tell you, Dolly, she was the last one and there was another cow before her and she's, she just didn't want to be around us at all and I rehomed her. But Dolly came in. We spent two months trying to milk her and she hated it. We rehomed her with her baby. Um, so we make it a pretty good deal for them. They um, they fed, they're fed really well. So for them to be able to produce an additional amount of milk for us, they have to be fed really well. Um, but we also make sure that they get an enormous amount of time with their baby. So we only milk once a day. They're separated of a night time, but they're only separated when the baby's two months old. And that's so that the baby reaches all its milestones and the baby's happy to be in the crèche. Now, some babies aren't at that age. They're a little bit young and a little bit immature, so they stay with their mothers a little bit longer. So we determine, you know, um, it's about eight weeks and they're eating hand feed, so they get hand fed of the night time. Um, but what the mothers love about it is they get to sleep Normally when you they feed a baby, if they're out in the wild, they'll feed a baby for 9 to 12 months. Now, I've been out in the dark many, many times and watched my camels feed their babies before um, they're being milked and they're up every half an hour. Now, any mother gets that, by 10 o'clock in the morning, they are out for the count. They are asleep somewhere, ex- absolutely exhausted and that's why they only feed them for 9 to 12 months. They feed their babies for up to two years with us and they, uh, that baby grows beautifully and they get to sleep from once the baby's two months old and then they, they come into the dairy to start milking, they get to sleep and they love it. So when they're really happy about having babies and coming back into the dairy because they know when that baby's 10 months old, they get the whole night off. They feed the baby all day. They're out with the other camels. They We keep them in a natural herd situation. They have a very complex herd. Um, um, uh you know, togetherness. Um, it's matriarchal, and we honour that. So, we we're about leaders in change in animal production and making sure that the the health and well being. So, both the physical health and well being of our camels are utmost in our mind in and in how we treat them, but also their emotional well being. And I call them a 50-50 animal, fifty 50% percent of 50% of a camel is its um, its health and well-being its physical health and well-being 50% is its emotional health and well-being um, and if you look after both then you generally have a very healthy animal so very healthy camels
0: that's why i absolutely love what you guys are doing it's so it was so fascinating to me when i went out to the farm a beautiful friend of mine Bianca, um, her husband um, brings water to the farm sometimes when it's particularly dry and Bianca knows what I'm like when it comes to animals and she rang me and she said, Kaz, I've got a surprise for you. So we jumped in a car and she took me out there and when I got out there I was almost nervous because I saw, you know, the camels and then I saw the the, the huts and the houses and stuff and I thought, oh, God, what she brought me to? And my first inclination or my first suspicion was that it was going to be similar to a a, a dairy cow environment, which I just would not have coped with. And I'm sure, Lauren, that it was you that I spoke with who I kept asking more and more questions saying, so then what happens to the babies and then what do you do with them at night? You know, like how do they feed? And you actually put my mind at rest 100% um, with because, you know, obviously, was in my own curiosity, but, you know, I, I get scared for the way that we treat our animals. And when you explained everything to me and I saw the beautiful camels, their coats are spectacular. They walk with the most amazing pride. And half of them were out on this massive plane almost that <laughs> as far as the eye could see. Half of the camels were out feeding and grazing and being a proper camel Um, and then there was a couple that were in um, obviously getting ready to come in for the afternoon and so beautiful. They just walked straight up. One of them walked straight up to me and I got to put my hands on her cheeks and we were like nose to nose. (laughs) 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 It was the most amazing experience She was so friendly and so beautiful that any animal that's been abused by a human, there's no way that they're going to volunteer and come up and say hello. I mean, nobody forced her to come and say hello. She just came to say hello. And, you know, my heart just kind of leapt out of my chest. And I really... When I left, I think we were there for about an hour and eventually Bianca had to drive, drag me away to say you guys were closing, I think. <laughs> <So> <laughs> 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 Personally, I would have slept there. <laughs> but it's such it, um, I you know, I'm so in awe that Cindy um, has managed to find you and get you on the podcast because I think that to have somebody speaking about how to be in harmony with animals, where everybody's needs are met, rather than the animal being sacrificed, um, either physically or emotionally or mentally, I think it's just it's so encouraging, and I think that it's just such a it's just so profound. And I and I really want to take my hat off to you. Thank you. With the idea of coming of milking camels, mm-hmm. can, do you know why we're not? doing that in the way that you do it not the, not in a brutal way but do you know why we're not doing that more
2: we were the first in australia to um we were the first commercial camel dairy in australia mm-hmm. um and there's probably i think there's about a do- there may be a dozen although i've already sent a few come in and go out already um unfortunately it is a very expensive milk um, because it is so expensive to produce it, and the production costs, as you can imagine, after I've just spoken, that they're quite high. But it is also a health product. Um, unfortunately, there's always people who come into particularly young and new industries, and uh, and they think because it's there's a high price. Um, Um, on a retail basis for that product that they're going to make lots of money. And they really don't think about the the ethical implications of of doing that or um, they're they're often looking for ways to to get around um, how to do it appropriately and properly. Um, From the get-go, besides wanting to do this ethically um, and produce a really fabulous product for our customers... Um, it's also about there's a lot of legislative aspects of being a food producer and particularly when you're under food standards Australia so we um, hired the appropriate people to make sure that we did it properly so our standards our health standards are I think impeccable and um I know uh, Food Standards Australia and Safe Food Queensland are really happy with the way we produce our product and we have amazing results. We've got the laboratory results week in, week out. Uh, So um, the camel industry predominantly, you know, I obviously have a lot to do with the camel industry in Australia and I was instrumental with, with another group of business people in setting up the Australian Camel Industry Association. And it has predominantly been a wild industry and any wild industry attracts people who don't necessarily follow the rules. I find that quite difficult, that that any wild industry just attracts different people. So when we set up the Australian Camel Industry Association, uh, we did start to attract a lot of business people um, who wanted to do it properly. But it's still a young and fledgling industry, and there's still uh, people coming into it. Um, the appropriate business people coming into it. So, and there's some good people in there, um, and there's you know, and like as I said, you know, we've already seen a few people come in and go out. But so it just takes time. But it, it camels are a whole different ball game. They're a highly evolved creature, um, and you've absolutely it's imperative that you understand. Uh, camels for what they are for being a being and being they're matriarchal and they're not cattle they're not cattle and they i think they're more akin to an elephant they have a very um a highly sophisticated matriarchal system um if you understand it and you study it you understand that Everybody has a role, everybody is important in their in their, that matriarchal structure, everything from everybody from the the you know, the lead cow, or the matriarch to the two I C to the birthing aunties to the general mums and birthing aunties and everybody has a role. Um our bull takes his role really seriously. I mean he's quite amorous, isn't he? <laughs> and he's quite a happy bull. He has a lot of girls to service, but he also takes his role as being their protector and uh, and making sure they stick close and that they're you know he looks after them and we've chosen a bull that does that we you know we haven't chosen any old bull and he's um he has these beautiful calves and they're gentle as he is and he but he looks after his girls and he looks after them with a lot of pride so it flows through in the whole you know matriarchal system and. But you know, we are their custodians. We're not. We don't. We don't own their souls. You know. But um, you know, we have a partnership, and we treat them as our production partners, um, or, or just generally as, as as part of. You know, we have staff, and our camels are important. So important to us um, for who they are. So they all have names. Uh, they have numbers, and I have no idea what their number is. It's. <laughs> if someone asked me i'd have to look it up on our records but they all have names um we could write a page on every one of them um who their friends are who their baby is um I can tell you for most of those girls, I can tell you how long their labours are. Um, their babies often come out knowing my voice because I spend a lot of time with my head on their belly talking to their baby and um, uh, and occasionally I get to deliver them if they get stuck um, and uh, the last little baby I delivered, she is my pal. Every time I'm down there, her head is under my arm. And um, I Look, I think if you learn to look at that one, Way we live in a conscious society, and I think there are a growing number of people who are conscious beings and understand the worth of any being on this planet so I think it 's how you look at it and and how you want to participate in it and If you want to produce food from an animal then there 's got to be there 's got to be mutual respect
3: I, th- I think what you 're saying is just so heartwarming to to us and i 'm sure our listeners and I think that's what anybody would want in a society, that there's that mutual respect not only for the animals but for the plants, for the way we eat, for the way we actually treat each other. So I, I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think it's extraordinary and I want to thank you for for letting us know that these beautiful animals are so cared for and you've, just, you've got me um, totally. But I was wanting to know... Could you tell us, um, I've heard, and I'm not sure if it's true, mm-hmm. that camel milk has a lot more iron and a lot more, um, I think it was vitamin C or this. there's certain things. What's the difference between, say, camel's milk versus cows versus goats? Could you, could you let us know what that is?
2: I can tell you a lot more about camel's milk than I, I know, a little bit about goat and a little bit about um, dairy milk. But camel's milk, the predominant difference between camel's milk and other milk is that it doesn't have the two proteins in it that cause dairy allergies. So it doesn't uh, have better casein or better lactoglobulin. And, And they're the two main culprits for dairy allergies. So they're the significant differences. The milk is very similar in a molecular makeup to human milk. It is it is naturally homogenised, so the proteins are predigested, digested, so that's so much easier to break down. But it's also very high in lactoferrin and also immunoglobins. Uh, the lactoferrin lactoferrin is also in in dairy milk, uh, and I'm assuming um, I'm only I'm making an assumption here, but I'm assuming goat milk as well. Um, But it is high in lactoferrin, but it's also the immunoglobins in combination with the immunoglobins. It heals the gut and bowel. The immunoglobins in camel's milk is one that the immunoglobins are one-tenth the size of human immunoglobins. So the milk is really digested into the body very readily and very easily. So there's some of the main differences from a vitamin perspective, uh, it does have more iron. There's not a lot of iron in dairy milk, full stop. It's real there's really quite a small percentage. And there is ten times more iron in camel's milk, but it's really not that high. It's only about two percent. So it's always been touted as, you know, being really high in iron. It's not that high in iron. Vitamin C it is. Um, for 250 mils, it's 27% of your RDI. So the vitamin C content in, in camel's milk is quite high and it's much higher than, than dairy milk. Um, the calcium is much higher than, um, than dairy milk. And if it's 250 mils, it is uh, 16% of your RDI. So there's some significant difference. Plus it's got A and D and B and a number of lots and lots of vitamins, zinc and magnesium and lots of, you know, amazing vitamins in it as well. So it's sort of, you know, it's you know, a vitamin pill in, in a glass
3: basically. And from a hormone perspective, has, you know, like a lot of cows, sheep or majorly dairy farmed, has been noted that there's a lot of hormones, um, obviously, injected into the animal. I'm assuming because of the way you farm and the way you look after your beautiful beasts, that they that this is not an issue with you.
2: What you probably don't know about us is that we're organic we actually we um, we've been going through the organic process for quite a long time. We've actually followed those processes since, since we start. We're actually in conversion, so uh, for and so we uh, can, we're organic. So absolutely not. We 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 do not use antibiotics. We do not use hormones. We do not use chemicals. We our camels are on a plant based organic diet. We do not use grain. Grain is not a natural uh, feed for camels, and we don't use it. And predominantly because it isn't a natural feed, it ruins their gut, but it also ruins the gut of our customers and our clients and, you know, the consumers of our beautiful milk. And all the research done on camel milk has not been done with an animal that's been fed grain. So we don't feed grain. Um, And that's really, really important, particularly for people who have gluten intolerances so that they don't uh, drink from an animal that's been fed grain. So when you're talking about chemicals, hormones and anything else that shouldn't be in feed, it's absolutely not in ours.
1: I'd just like to add a little bit to um, what you've been talking about regarding, um, you know, you you talked about two specific proteins in particular. One was um, beta casein. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so people understand, you know, there's the whole... Um, debate about A1 and A2 milk, and there's a lot of research saying that the A1 milk um, has um, a level of a, uh, it's called BCM7, and it's mm-hmm. four times higher than an A2 milk, and it, it, it you know it's been linked to many many human health problems, mm-hmm. and and I do know that the camel milk is is A2. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
1: yeah naturally so do you want to can you expand on that and then i'd like to talk about the beta lactoglobulin because i think that you know we just quickly breeze through that people need to understand the importance of um not having beta lactoglobulin in um their milk so do you want to first address a1 versus a2 milk
2: I do you know what I've been drinking camel's milk for such a long time, and I'm not and I'm not a huge and I did as a child drink dairy milk, um, and I think dairy milk was quite a lot different then than it is now. I haven't been able to drink dairy milk for a long time. In fact, if I ever drink anything within it, then it, it's it's a bit of a nasty following day. <laughs> so, but um, so for me, the A2 certainly it's certainly when we were doing the research understanding the difference between A1 and A2 was important, was an important factor, and the fact that it was naturally A2. Um, on expanding that, um, I to be perfectly honest, Cindy, I'd say that you would know a lot more about um, the A2 aspect of it than, than I actually do. Um, I know a lot more about it in certainly in how it reacts in the body and the beta-casein and the beta uh aspects of the milk. But um, from an A2 um, perspective, um, it is much easier for on a digestibility basis.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, there's so much research at the moment and about the A1, A2. And I know in New Zealand alone, they are converting cows to A2 rather than A1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, goat, camel, um, what's another, milk, all are basically A2. And we used to have cows that were A2, but for some reason we bred them out and, and we went to A1. But now that that is reversing. And there's a gentleman by the name of Keith Woodford. If anybody wants to do some research, um, he's a professor of farm management and agribusiness at Lincoln University in New Zealand. And his information on the science of the A1 versus A2, he's a strong push you know, to go towards um, the A2. So, um, you know, to see your camel milk in my local stores, I just get very, very excited. I've seen it up in Mullaney. I've seen it. So, and I know you distribute throughout Australia, but for me living on the Sunshine Coast, I actually see your milk everywhere now. So that's a, well, in the places I visit, I should say, I don't do Coles, Woolworths or anything like that. I go to odd stores. Maybe that's why. (laughs)
2: I'm <laughs> beginning to see it. <laughs> and we won't ever do Coles and Woolworths. We're not a Coles and Woolworths brand. We're, um, and, uh, so we won't ever do it there. We predominantly are in, you know, the healthy IGAs and the, you know, the Canaras and the, the you know, we, we do. We're, you know, those healthy IGAs and those very good organic stores and, and the stores that are really stocking their shelves with really healthy alternatives.
1: Yeah. And the other one that I wanted to talk to you about was the lactoglobulin and, and let everybody know what this is. So lactoglobulin is, is usually the protein that causes anaphylaxis. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one, of, one of the latest research, which I find absolutely wonderful, number one, if if there's no lactoglobulin in the, uh, beta-lactoglobulin in the milk, then you don't have a problem. There's not that, um, you won't have anaphylaxis to the, the dairy milk. But what, I found really, really interesting is that there, I think it's in Geneva, um, there's a university um, anyway that is doing some research and they've found that if the animal, the cow, which has the lactoglobulin, um, if the cow is organically brought up, then iron locks into the lactoglobulin and it renders it useless. to The immune system doesn't even recognise it, so there's no... And there's no immune issues. So, you know, the fact that you're doing organic, um, you know, camel milk, and now we're starting to see that organic cow's milk can become, you know, the the main um, protein that causes this anaphylaxis when it has iron in it. it, it's not happening. And what you're telling us is that you're not even feeding your cow's grain. Therefore, the iron isn't being extracted out of the camel. And even though you say there's just a small amount, I would say, you know, because we know the Bedouins have been doing this for thousands of years and drinking it, and sometimes that's the only food they have is, is the milk of the cow and the product of, of cow, the camel, and the, and the product of that milk. So um, they might ferment it. Sometimes that's all they've got and they survive very well on it and they don't have the problems that we, you know, we now see. So, um, look, another question I have for you is that I happened to be at a freeze dryer a couple of months ago and I noticed your milk Mm -hmm. was being freeze dried. Can you tell me where can we get it? Um, You know, have you done tests on it? Um, what's it like, um, just, you know, I think I find this exciting because it means that you can produce the milk and if people aren't buying it, then you've got that freeze dried and then could we give it to our babies? Is this where you're going or what's happening with that freeze drying process that you're doing now with the camel milk?
2: The drying is it is a new product for us. We've been doing it. We've been doing it and running some tests. Actually, we're doing something really exciting. with it, Ooh. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> and, um, we've had something in R and D for over twelve months now. Um, we're doing. We're looking at doing a health product. And look, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag oh. yet. But I. But we are doing something very, very exciting with it. And and it's been in R and D, and we didn't want to do a product. I have a, a um, another business partner with with this particular product. We didn't want to do a product that was everybody else was doing, and that wasn't going to make a difference to their life, and that was on the she would get the same old thing on the shelf. We didn't, and we've taken an enormous amount of trouble. To put an amazing product together, um, and it will be released. Um, we're hoping it's going to be released by Christmas time. And um, yeah, look, uh, it, it, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so we've it's been in R and D. All I can say, we've had a product in R and D. We are also doing um, powdered camel milk. And we've just released a little bit um, to do it. it uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Freeze drying camel milk. Um, I'll give you a, uh, a, a bit of a heads up when you freeze dry camel milk and the, the amazing things about camels. When we freeze dry our camel milk in winter time, it is the yield from freeze drying is only 9.3%. So when we freeze dry a ton, we only get ninety three kilos of 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 dried camel's milk. Oh wow, that's not a lot,
1: is it? <laughs> so ouch, <laughs> ouch is right because I was yielding thirty percent on the product I was doing. So well, nine oh, percent I think. Nine point three percent, and in summertime when the when it's um,
2: when it's really hot and it's over forty degrees. The yield is 7.3%. Oh,
1: wow.
2: The reason being is because the camels re-divert the water that they consume into their udder to hydrate the baby. Mm. They're an amazing creature. I love them dearly. But um, so we we will, if if this part of their business and we expect it will, considering what we've just we've come up with, Um, takes off. We're going to actually have to build a very large arena to keep them under when it's very, very hot so that they, um, because they sweat and get really hot and they, um, yeah, so we've got to change. And when it rains as well, we lose yield, um, our milk yield in rain as well. So, so the 40 degrees and two months of rain add up to about four months of the year. So, um, so they've, but you only find this out as you go along but um so yeah so the yield is quite small for 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 freeze drying um but we have developed this beautiful beautiful powder because when I first started doing it and we were milling it I actually didn't think it tasted very nice and I actually didn't think it was a great product and I thought I can do a lot better than that so I've um really played around with it and we've actually got the processing down to a fine art now and it's a beautiful fine powder which um, mixes with water beautifully and I'm, a much, I'm much happier with it so I even any, for anybody who knows me know I am a complete fusspot and I will not do anything by halves and I won't produce something that I wouldn't use myself or that I would and that's why we produce beautiful milk and have a you know um, an arrangement with our the cocoa pod chocolate on the on the coast and make beautiful chocolates. And um, we have a honey and mango yogurt smoothie. And we use you know hum honey and uh, it, you know those collaborations and producing really good quality food is really really important to us.
1: Well, we um, have hum honey in our marketplace in the changing oh, marketplace. It's yeah, good. and she's got her hives yeah. on my um, on my farm. So, and, and so I I have some quick, fast questions for you. Okay. So how many camels do you have? Uh, we started with two and this will, this will make you laugh. Um,
2: we started with two and about 12 years ago, I said to my honey, Hey honey, can I have a couple of camels? (laughs) And (laughs) we now have hundred and
1: ten. Oh wow! <laughs> one hundred and ten <laughs> girls. Oh my gosh! And it's girls. your husband okay. and, and and one boy. Is that what we're no, out there? We've got a few baby boys. Oh, you got a few <laughs> baby boys. <laughs>
2: a few baby boys in our baby, but our baby boys are rehomed. So, as I said, we have a no slaughter policy. So our our baby boys. So what we do with our boys is we train them to be companion animals. Companion camels, so they they we eaters, but they also um, they for people with smaller properties who, are, who really want to have a, a camel as a companion. We train them so that when they go to their new homes, um, people get a huge kick out of them. They are just they just love to hang out with their owners and they become lifelong friends.
1: Okay, well, my question down a little bit is: Can I have a camel? I oh, want a, a camel. camel. What? what a camel. You have to take two and you have
2: to have a big enough
3: property to take them.
2: So.
1: Cindy, Cindy, take a camel. So take two. Take two. You can have two. Yes. Cindy, we may have to talk, especially if they're weed eaters. Yeah, um, they do. Great. Because I got, I got 60 acres. but It's up in the hinterland and, you know, it rains and. That's okay. No, that's okay. I know exactly who I can send up. But we also match them to your personality. Oh, good. Yeah, or Ooh. you'll need a different one for Karen as you will for me. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: okay. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> very, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think, she... I think I've, from Karen, I think books would be would be great for you. And mm, I'm going to have to think about that. Which bought we? Okay, need
1: one. Uh, I can put I need one too. All right, Kim wants okay, one too.
2: Okay, all right, okay. So we'll have a camel matching
1: day. I think. Yeah, we will. <laughs> oh, do. oh my god. <laughs> that was okay, so my next question is is they're they're in the glasshouse house or you're at the glasshouse mountains um so if they were out you know because they're desert dwellers aren't they they're they're amazing yeah. out in the desert so do you think they're milk like there's so much desert out there in australia and we got so many cows out there why mm-hmm. wouldn't we be you know having and there's so many camels out there too, you know, they're, they've gone wild and apparently there's millions of camels that are wild in Australia. And why would we not be, you know, going out into the desert region? Do you think that the harvest of milk would be better for them there or do you, it, it wouldn't make any difference? Make a big difference.
2: It makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Um, course when you, the, that hot, hot weather, and also there's a lot of salt bush out there, one of the things that we've perfected with Q Camel is about, um, and one of the reasons why we're organic, um, we live in a lush green area as well, um, our milk tastes, as you know, uh, tastes very similar to dairy milk. We went, um, besides being a producer of milk and making sure that my camels are incredibly healthy, um, if, we, uh, if we produced desert milk, no one would drink it. It tastes salty oh. and really, really salty and it would be really, really low in fat. Um, and I don't want to give children, yeah. children need more fat. And our most camel milk around the world, particularly in desert dwelling areas, has a fat content of one and a half to 2% fat. Yuck. (laughs) It's like ours ours, ours is 4.8%. Okay. And sometimes I think it's more than that in winter. I need to do some more tests on it. But in winter, because it's so creamy and really creamy and delicious, uh, it, you know, if you're going to be consuming a, a beautiful product and it's really good for your health and you and you also desperately need it for your health, boy, you don't want it to taste watery and salty. So it's really important that we produce milk that tastes wonderful as well.
1: You really know your you know this business. I am just blown away by your knowledge about, you know, you've trialed things, you've looked at things and, you know, you must be the leaders. Well, you are. You're the leaders in this field because um, you began, you you know, you began it in Australia and I'm just blown away by, you know, what you know. So I want to ask you another question. Can I make butter with camel's milk? If I skim the milk off, it's homogenized so I can't.
2: Um, I think it. I think it would be really difficult. Some sometimes, well, particularly in winter time. I oh, actually still now, our milk is really very very creamy. I we I haven't tried to make butter from it yet. I would love you to <laughs> try. Um, so we can make. Oh oh, we have made the most beautiful quark. Oh yum. <laughs> oh wow! And we missed out by 0.67 of a point at the National Food Awards for a gold medal. We got a silver medal for it, and we'd only just produced it, um, and it was absolutely sensational. So, and it was rich and creamy. So,
0: um,
1: <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> um, I really need some milk. You can oh. <laughs> you can mute yourself, and we can just. We can talk about all sorts of fun things about the camels, can't we, girls? <laughs>
3: yeah. I want to I know. I mean, you might be able to help as well, Cindy, is um, if you've talked about all these, I think it was the beta globulin, the beta casein and all the things that create the lactose intolerance and things like that. Yeah. Is it advisable to go from breast milk to camel's milk? You know, a lot of people go from breast milk to cow's milk. Can you go from breast milk to camel's? milk and would that be a better option in your opinion
1: well last year um i was in a law case um as a expert witness um in uh somebody uh, writing an article in a community newspaper and a professional at that um saying that um that all the reasons why we shouldn't be doing cow's milk and we should do goats because camel isn't available where this community is and um So I put all the evidence across to say that she wasn't wrong um, because it's like our big APRA, you know, Australian Professional Health Registry, whatever they are, authority. It's like that was happening to her in England and she was being um, told that she wouldn't be able to practice um, her profession, her health profession. And so I was part of um, as an expert witness for her. And um, we won that part of the case. She didn't win everything, but because they really came down on her on many, many things. But in the nutrition side of it, we actually won that because um, we proved that goat's milk. Was a far better thing because of the, um, and especially organic, because of the um, iron filled lactoglobulin, because it, they still have it, and that it was A2 and things like that. So um, I don't know camel milk, but what I've heard from Lauren, uh, I would say that, um, and I am saying this only as I would do this, I am not going to um, put it out there that. Um, you know, you've always got to say, well, you should first check with your doctor. But, um, you know, it has all the beautiful properties. It has none of the allergens sitting there. If you have a child that is allergic to this milk, I would be testing them first on their wrist just to see if they have a reaction to it. But, um, I, I, you know, I wish that alternative was around when we were. Um, having our babies, not that I had any problems with breast milk um, because I had lots of it and I never had to give my children any other milk, but there were other mothers that did have problems. So maybe Lauren can um, shed some light on this, what science has been done and would, you know, is that a recommendation, Lauren, that um, we could use camel's milk instead of um, breastfeeding if we were having a problem?
2: If you're having a problem, the the better ones I can go on history. Yes, I can go on certainly research um, that some research papers that I've read um, for children with dairy allergies uh, who can't have uh, any other milk. Um, certainly, the better ones. If a mother couldn't feed her baby, um, they put them straight on camel's milk. So from, you know, day dot. So if a mother died during birth, they would, they would feed that child, um, camel's milk. Um, and certainly if her milk dried up, they would feed the baby camel's milk. Uh, there, I've had lots of my customers who have, who've put their infants, you know, they've, they haven't had a lot of milk, um, or the baby is then a year old and they didn't want to put their child on, um, formula so and they've used camel milk and said the baby has thrived um we've had other babies where the child's had a lot of allergies the mother's had a lot of allergies the babies had a lot of allergies and the noticeable difference immediately was that their skin improved and um and you know their bowels improved and their guts improved and so I can go from the research that I've read. Um, there was a really interesting article done a number of years ago and they took nine children who had terrible allergies, you know, and they, um, they couldn't keep food down. They couldn't put <clears throat> weight on. They vomited. There's no, virtually no food that they could eat. Um, most were down to very, very limited diet and all of those children improved 100 mm so um and they were very severe cases so and that was that was an interesting article that i read i've read others with the poor children look at it, and i can only say from anecdotal information that the children that um are utilizing our milk but i will say that there is 1% of the um <clears throat> people who are who have a problem with um now I mean, most milks are given, you know, whether people are lactose intolerant. What it is is most people have got an allergy to casein and better casein and better lactoglobulin, but there is a 1% of people that are actually don't contain lactase in their body and they cannot drink our milk. So, um, so I, I do think that it's important that if you have severe allergies that you do get tested to make sure that you don't have a lactase issue. But what I've found for most children who have got, you know, um, and, and children who have got failure to thrive, that they do really, really well on the milk.
1: So what if um, the milk, and I know we have to do this in Australia, but mm-hmm. if the milk hasn't been pasteurised, does it have lactase in it?
2: Um. Yes.
1: Mm, okay. It does. Yes, it does.
2: And can I can I talk a little bit more about pasteurisation? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that because there there are huge and certainly and certainly because they're my camels and you know I have the benefit of drinking unpasteurised milk because they're mine and I can do that. But um, do we sell it? No, we don't. Do I advocate that people do? No, I don't. And the reason being is that safe foods are there for a reason. They are, they are there to protect the general community. Um, and it would be lovely and in a perfect world. In a perfect world, we could drink unpasteurized milk by the people who harv- harvested it from, those, from, from their animals um, to provide to the general community. But the problem is that a lot of people who do that and most people who do that I'm terribly clean and it's got to do with the vessels on which they're held in and the the, the tubing which it goes into. There is a build-up of bacteria and the problem with unpasteurised milk that it can contain bacteria. So there is a really good reason. I've looked at both sides of it, of, of the, the argument, but it comes down to the way people harvest that milk. Um, and in generally... A lot of people aren't very clean um, and there are no guarantees. And I know people who in the camel industry who have sent people, and not me because I've never done it because I just would never flout because the legislation, it's not worth it. Um, But I, I have heard of people sending people raw milk And the people, and I don't know how the other people didn't end up in hospital. They were seriously ill because it wasn't, they didn't do the testing properly. Um, Our milk is tested week in, week out um, to make sure it's really healthy for our customers. Um, But it, you know, our raw milk needs to be tested. And um, I know that there are people who produce raw milk, and it doesn't matter whether they're, you know, you know in the dairy industry or the goat industry um and those people are really super clean and know what they're doing but but there's there's a really good argument against it and um and it's to it's to protect the the general public
1: yeah and and you know that's what it was there for it was actually started off with brucellosis and tuberculosis um that's where it all started (laughs) um but you know they've wiped out tuberculosis and brucellosis in the dairy industry here in Australia, um, but there are the other ones that we we are now, you know, checking on, like Listeria. Yes. So you said also that the milk was naturally homogenised. Um, so most cows' milk, if, if we were to talk about what homogenization is, is that um, it's where they um, force the milk through a very, very fine sieve and it breaks down the fat globules into mm-hmm. small pieces and homogenises through the milk so you don't get the cream on the top. Mm-hmm. So now you're saying that camel milk is naturally homogenised. Mm-hmm. It's,
2: ah. it's done through the process. The camels, it, that's how it comes. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so the, the fat is broken down but we still get a nice cream. Um, it's still quite creamy. So
1: <laughs> You need to collect that for me and I will see if I can make butter because I I, I churn butter, so from... You know, cream. So, collect a little bit for me, and I'll see if I can make some. Fantastic! I'd love yeah. to. we'll do that. Sure. Now, for people to find out where your product is, mm-hmm. um, where would do they just go to your website, or um, how do they find out where they can buy it in their local area?
2: Okay, so in their local area, we've just updated our website actually because we've just we've got a a lot more customers now particularly as we're organic um and so there is a number of stores um and a lot more particularly around Brisbane um on the Sunshine Coast but all our stores are actually listed on our website so you can just put in your postcode and uh, the closest store will come up um on our website and uh and you can there's a list there so we we sell uh, throughout Queensland, uh, New South Wales and in New South Wales we're with the Flannery's group, with with Harris Farms, we're with David Jones um, and we've, we've got um, a distribution just to be the beginnings of a distribution network going on in Victoria. So we're certainly in David Jones in Victoria and, um, but, but very good organic stores. So you can just go to our website and they're all listed there
1: wonderful and your website is qcamel.com.au and kim always asks oh i wanted to just say that yeah i thought you would she always asks a good question
3: at the end (laughs) well it was really what we'd love to know is that if you had a an option, and you had something to say to all of our beautiful listeners, and you wanted to get something really from your heart across to all of us, uh, on behalf of your camels, on behalf of your farm, or on behalf of yourself, what would you like? What would you like to share?
2: I think what I'd like to share is that a lot of love goes into our milk, and we produce it. with our customers in mind and so that we can provide a really healthy product uh, so that our customers are really healthy but it's done with the the highest ethical practices uh, and try it. it. It will astound you. It is delicious and beautiful and it will make you feel wonderful.
3: And, and if, you, if you could just tell me a message from the camels because I feel like if you know them as well as you do, then, then I think they've got a personality and they've got something going for them. What would the camels say? Well, I think that, well, the great thing about Q Camel
2: is that while, while we love to tell everybody what we do, we open our farm up for farm tours so people can actually come and see for their own eyes. So you can actually come and meet our camels. So come and get a kiss, <laughs> because, and you will be inundated with them because they love a kiss and a cuddle. That's how we greet each other. Um, we're a bit of a kissy, cuddly lot, and we. Um, but when they come in of the morning and milk, they they put their head over the race and they kiss you on the head. And when we walk up to them in the in the paddock, that's the first thing we do is grab their muzzle and give them a kiss and they put their muzzle down next to our cheek for a kiss um, because that's how we greet each other um, and, you know, from a, you know, certainly from a um, staff point of view and with all of us who work there, I mean, our beautiful Sherry just came home from holidays today and the first thing we did was walked up and gave each other a hug and a kiss and mm. that's... It, it's it's a greeting it's you know welcome and you know we love you and they love us and it it's just but come and find out for yourself because well the farm tours are called camel cuddles and you will get a thousand selfies of getting a kiss and a cuddle from our camels and um we you know we profess a a, a wonderful ethics, um, and we open our farm up so you can see what we do so that you can actually see us milk our camels and you can come and meet them for yourself
1: and find out what we do Karen, Karen you might be a little bit short to milk the camel
0: <laughs> oh my God, and Kim
1: is shorter than me hey hey
0: hey hey hey. <laughs>
1: I, just, I do have one more question because yeah. Kim actually asked this before we started, um, and I, I think people might be asking this because hmm. um, camels are known to spit and kick. Mm-hmm. Why do they do that? And do your beautiful, gorgeous, nuzzling, cuddly camels do that?
2: Okay. So spitting and biting are, is a natural uh, defence mechanism, um, and many people have said to me, but don't they spit? Or I was in Egypt and the camels tried to bite me or they did bite me or, and they spat at me. And sadly that happens because people will beat them. Oh. Which is so, so sad. Why? It, well, it, and you know, generally it's people who feel that they need to get the better of them because they're so big, and, which, is, which is laughable. They're so big that if really, if they wanted to swing around and do something dreadful to you or really maim you or do something worse, they could do it in an instant. They don't because they're so gentle by nature. So, do ours kick and bite? Have they? Well, the babies will mouth you because they're teething. Um, and it's, it, you know, generally all we do is change the octave level in our voice to say that that's unacceptable behaviour. And that, and so no, um, our girls don't kick and bite and our babies, our babies occasionally will give you a little a bit of a kick but it's more play than anything and if they did and hurt us, uh, the first thing we would say was don't you dare do that. That is unacceptable behaviour and we don't like it. And the minute you drop the octave level in your voice, they will put their head down and look ashamed and they don't do it. And our girls, if the girls occasionally, if they're, you know, you come too close, I don't feel great today, they're not having a good day, then you might get a warning shot past you, um, you know, to say, you know, I really don't want you to scratch my backside (laughs) or, you
3: know, give me a pat,
2: I don't feel like it, and then a warning shot will go, but not to hurt us. Um, So in general, no, they don't kick and bite um, because, one, they're taught not to, but it's also... Between what we do with each other, our greeting is to kiss each other and greet them and say, good morning, how are you? That's how we greet them. Good morning, it's lovely to see you. And when we let them out, have a lovely day and thank you for sharing your milk and have a lovely day. And it's all about, it's all about how you treat each other. So it's not general. I have had a camel look at me and she did and it was foul. And <laughs> it was awful. I had to go home and have a shower. It was awful, um, but I was I was removing the wool from her back and she didn't want me to do it. And I said, oh, for goodness sake, Cotton, I'll be finished in a minute, just leave me to it. Anyway, she kept roaring at me. I said, Cotton, I need to get this off you. It's matted and it's disgusting. Uh, she didn't like it, so she emptied the contents of her stomach on my head. Oh. That was really oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and i had and i not.
2: It, it was terrible I, I'm, I'm i really i was almost ill and i had to go home and have a shower and fortunately i had a, a plastic loofah which got a really good guy <laughs> with my body oh. it was awful. Um, <laughs> and one other time i was and this is really funny and i had my pink shirt that's when we were wearing more pink than we, we've got this beautiful kennel color now in our colors but I had my shirt on with my logo and I had my makeup done and my hair done, I'm looking a lot better than I did when you saw me. And, <laughs> and we were on Channel 10. We were, I think we were filming something for um, the project. Anyway, um, and anyway, Chelsea was roaring at me, and I was from Chelsea. And, you know, she was giving me foul looks and roaring at me and then, and then right in the middle of about, about the filming was about to start, she hoiked over the top of the other camels and it landed all down the front of my shirt. And I went and I just said, what on earth is wrong with till because she knew I would get it. Because she had tried to let people know that morning there was something wrong, and no one would take any notice of her. And I think the the dairy manager we had in the at the time for some reason was having a really bad day and hadn't checked her properly. And I said, and anyway, I changed my shirt, did the interview, and then I went over to her and I said, "Sweetheart, what's wrong?" And I said, just let me have a look. And I put my hand up under her udder and I nearly died. She had a really, really sore udder and it was really swollen. And some she hadn 't been emptied properly, and her udder was killing her and I quickly brought her back into the into the um, the dairy and put an ice pack on her and She was so sore and John, you know, I thought well, I nearly cried because she was and when I looked at her, I thought, oh my goodness she 's walking funny she 's got a sore udder. and i um and I ice packed her, and then we you know and you know did what we had to do, sprayed her and and we 've got all these sorts of you know if a if a camel look we can look at our camels we know them so well and we in so in tune with them and their other health i don't know if anybody there that's listening or if you've ever had mastitis but it's insidious and it makes you feel sick and there's no need for it our camels never get mastitis and it is people have said to me in the dairy industry oh what do you do when your camels get mastitis and i say. They don't get it. And they went, yeah, but what do you do when they get it? And I lean over and say, they don't get it. They should never get it. And if they're cared for properly, they will never get it. So any of my staff can tell you which camel on which udder, on which centricle in which tea will cause us problems and we know what to look for. We can put our hand up there and go, that centricle in that tea is not draining properly and we will work on it and we will hand milk them out and we will put an ice pack on there. So a a slight change in temperature in any part of the other will warn us that there's maybe some, there's a little bit of bacteria up there or there's, there's a centrical not draining properly. And it's so important to catch that early so that they're comfortable and that, you know, for them being a mother and milking and giving us milk is a comfortable, happy, healthy experience. Um, so, you know, and we, so it just doesn't happen with us because if you've ever had mastitis, it's horrible and you feel like your body is, you had the flu and you, all you want to do is be sick. So and camels don't get mastitis. So it was it's just really important that, you know, that care happens so that they're happy and comfortable and, yeah, you don't end up with the contents of their stomach on your head. So... <laughs>
0: Lauren, you're an absolute wealth of knowledge and I feel like we all need to go out for little little camel snaggles. <laughs> you're very welcome to. And so Cindy, we just need to make a date and a time to go out and choose our camels yes. for yes. your fam yes. Because I think those camels watch needs a lot of snaggling.
3: <laughs>
1: we will go we will go for snuggles and and i have to find out if i've got enough land and we'll do all of that um okay we will Uh, okay okay okay
0: when
2: i think we all need to get our diaries out and make a date
0: yep no pressure it It would be such a treat Well, Lauren, this has been such a fabulous treat to talk to you about your beautiful animals and to hear how you feel about them is so heartwarming. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being a part of today's show. I'm sure our listeners are just absolutely thrilled to hear everything you've got to say. And if they haven't tried the camel's milk, maybe now's an opportunity to, to give that a try and see the difference that it makes for them and see if they feel healthier with it. So thank you for bringing your incredible passion and wonder of knowledge to the show. It's been an absolute treat to share you with our listeners. So for all of our listeners, make sure that you go and check out Lauren's Farm and you can also check out um, our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Uh, and you can post your questions and your comments right there and we'll always get back to you guys. You can also go to allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Next week we've got an awesome show planned for you all, so please make sure that you tune in. If you're on iTunes, give us a five-star rating and tell everyone that you know about up for a chat. We are coming up with another hike for you guys, so stay tuned for that for next year and we can't wait to share... Um, more with you guys right here on Up for a Chat where we get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We're going to see you guys on the ride. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.